Today, I want to talk about another uncomfortable area of life, and for many of us, that's our future. A lot of us, whether we express it or not, become uncomfortable when we think about the future. About our, our purpose in life, because our, our purpose in life, in many ways, is what defines our future, right? And many of us are uncomfortable with our future because we're not quite sure of our purpose. The reality is, no matter how old we are, whatever stage in life we're at, there are always fears about the future, right? Think back to when you were a teenager. Man, there was a lot of fears then. Maybe when you got married and a couple of weeks after the honeymoon, there was a lot to fear then. <laughs> and then you have kids. And then life just continues. And then you look to retirement and... There's a lot to be uncomfortable with about the future, no matter where we are in life, right? Mm -hmm. But the good news is that God has a plan and a purpose for us that should shape and can shape our future. And so I want to share a story from Jeremiah 29 in the Old Testament today. Now, most of us have heard of Jeremiah 29 because we see one verse of it, verse 11, written on bumper stickers and plaques around our, our house. And that verse is, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to give you hope and a future. I want to put it to you today that while that is a great verse, that is not the greatest verse in this passage. It is a passage that speaks to our present, that shapes our future by reminding us that God has a purpose for us. If we don't know our purpose, then we can spend a lot of time worrying. But I'm not sure that worrying is the biggest challenge when it comes to figuring out our purpose. I think one of the biggest dangers of not knowing our purpose is that we would live purposeless lives. And I think one of the sad realities of our society is that we're seeing a lot of people doing a lot of nothing and squandering their lives because they haven't found the purpose for their life. And so in these words, through this story, I believe God is pointing us in four different directions as to how we can understand our purpose. So let me tell you the story. Jeremiah 29, starting at verse 4. If you have your Bible and want to follow along, that's cool. If you want to follow along on your phone, uh, if you have the YouVersion app, there's a button you can click, and all our notes uh, are in there as well. This is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel, says to all the exiles deported from Jerusalem to Babylon. First of all, in that verse, there's a couple of things that we need to grasp if we are to understand our purpose. In this version of the Bible, it says, the Lord of armies, who is also the God of Israel. 
Some versions of the Bible say the God of Israel, who is also the Lord of Lords. What Jeremiah is trying to make clear right now is that God is not just the God of you. He's the God of everyone and everything. Right? So, so, so often we believe in a, in a personal God who's going to help us, and that's true. But our God is more than that. He's not just in charge and in control of us. He's in control of everything. And so if he's the one who's going to assign us a purpose and give us a purpose, he does so knowing the big picture and the big plan, not just of our lives, but of how everything works, right? That's, that's good news. He says, this is the God who deported you from Jerusalem to Babylon. Some versions of the scripture, instead of using the word deported, use the word carried. That God carries us from Jerusalem to Babylon. Now we think God carries us, that's nice, he does, that's part of how his purpose works, that he presides over. But here's the deal, Jerusalem was where the people of Israel wanted to be, Babylon was the furthest place that they wanted to be. Israel was their home, Babylon was the home of their enemies where they lived in slavery. Yet God says, I was the one who carried you from where you wanted to be and put you where you didn't want to be. Sometimes that's not the kind of God we want to serve, right? We, we want a God who will give us what we want in Israel. But the reality is, very often we don't find our purpose when we're living how we want to live and where we want to live. We have to go into exile to find our purpose. On a big scheme, the equivalent today is that, that we are the, the people of God who are ambassadors on this world, but this world is not our home because heaven is now our home. That's where our Father lives. Yet here we are, if you will, in Babylon. In this place where we kind of like, but it's not really where we're supposed to be. And God has put us here, and God has put us here for a purpose. Often, we find our purpose in places we don't want to be. Does that make sense? Anybody kind of get that? In fact, when we're in a place where we don't want to be, one of the questions that we need to ask is, God, what's your purpose for me here? So God controls everything, and then he carries us to a place that we want to be, and then it gets a little bit worse. He says, in that place... Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Find wives for yourself and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters to men in marriage so that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there. Do not decrease. So he's saying, I'm in charge of everything, and I'm putting you in a place where, where you don't want to be, but in that place where you don't want to be, don't run, don't get lazy, don't, don't kind of waste your life there longing for what's next. Make it work where you are. God's purpose is often found as we live well and we live right in the place where we don't want to be. He's talking about several things here. He, he's saying make roots. 
build infrastructure. Focus on generations to come. Build your legacy. Well, one of the things he's saying is even when you're in a place you don't want to be, don't think short term. Make long term investments. Why does he say that? Because I believe that often our purpose is only revealed over the long term, right? We worry and we fret, am I doing it, 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 it now? It's over the long term that our lives can really make a difference. So that's the, that's the context, right? God is God, not just of you, but of everything. He has carried you into a place where you don't want to be, and in that place where you don't want to be, He has said, make it work. Honestly, for some people, I could stop right there and that would be enough because you're in places where you don't want to be and you want to run, you want to hide, you want to get lazy. And God says, don't do that because I got a purpose there for you. But I'm not going to stop there. Sorry. <laughs> because God goes on to tell us how we, how we find this great and glorious purpose that he has for us. That's what he says in verse 7. Pursue the well-being of the city that I have carried you to. Pray to the Lord on its behalf. For when it thrives, you will thrive. You know what I think Jeremiah is saying in these words? He's saying that if you want to find your purpose, the first thing that you need to do is to be looking, to be pointing in the right direction. And I think he says three things that we need to use as kind of litmus tests to see if we're pointing our lives in the right way. The first thing he says is seek peace. Seek peace in the city. Seek peace in this land. Seek peace in this place where you are in conflict with. Here's the deal. God's purpose for you is always wrapped up in His peace. If you are doing something that is not peaceable, that is not making peace or not promoting peace, I think we can say with some certainty that that is not God's plan for your life, right? One of the ways that we learn to discover God's purpose is by saying, are we pointing towards peace? It says, seek the peace and prosperity of the city. What does prosperity mean? It means well-being. You know, so often in our society, we have reduced prosperity just to wealth. But prosperity is so much more than that. It's our well-being. It's the well-being of others. It's creating these win, 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 win situations. Here's the deal. If we're trying to find our purpose and we're not looking towards prosperity and well-being, then it's probably not God's plan for us. If we're looking to consume selfishly, if we're looking to favor ourselves and not help others, that's probably not God's plan and purpose for us. Seek the peace and the prosperity of the city and pray to the Lord. This third indicator that, that we're pointing in the right direction is, is, am I praying? Am I asking God to show me? 
Am I asking God what He wants? Or, or am I just asking God to bless the direction that I'm heading in? You know, we say, Lord, Your will be done. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Scott reminded me the other day this great quote from a missionary wife called um, Elizabeth Elliot. She said, we can't pray that God's will be done without praying, my will be undone. So the first step on finding our purpose is wrapped around which way are we pointing? Are we pointing towards peace and prosperity? Are we pointing in prayer? If we're not... <coughs> I would argue that we're not going to find God's purpose for us because God's purpose looks like those things. Second thing, the story continues, verse 8. For this is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel, says. Don't let your prophets who are among you and your diviners deceive you and don't listen to the dreams you elicit from them, for they are prophesying falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them. This is the Lord's declaration. The first thing that we need to do is we need to make sure we're pointing. We're facing the right direction. The second thing that we need to do, I believe that Jeremiah is saying here, is that we need to protect ourselves against influences that would distract us against the will of God. He talks here about tapping into superstition and powers that manipulate and theories that really don't have any weight or truth behind them. I think what he's saying in, in some ways here is that if we, want to, if we want to find God's purpose, we have to seek God and protect ourselves against all the other voices, especially that voice of, of superstition. I got these really cool purple Adidas shoes that I wear when I'm with Orlando City on game day. I have a black shirt and I want to represent purple and, you know, it's a little bit of flair. And when I bought these shoes, I thought, man, these can be my lucky shoes. <laughs> and I've had them about 18 months and I'm still kind of waiting for, <laughs> for the luck to kick in. And it sounds a little bit stupid, but there's something inside of me that thinks, if I'm wearing my lucky shoes, this whole organization has got more of a chance to win. And you can laugh, but I bet you do the same thing. Maybe not in sports, but maybe you have your routine. Maybe if something doesn't work in your, your routine, you think, oh, this is going to be a terrible day because I didn't do X. That power behind that is a voice that deceives us. And we have to protect against those deceiving voices in our life. Here's, here's the kicker. Though in the, verse 8 at the end, he says, don't listen to the dreams that you elicit. 
So what he's saying is that this, this power that we give into our life that we call best wishes or luck or superstition, it only has power because we give it power, because we want it, right? Don't rely on superstition or luck or best wishes or whatever this mysterious empty force is. Even though there's something inside of you that, that clamors for it, we have to protect ourselves against that. We have to decide in our heart that the only voice, the only reason, the only rationale that we're going to look for is the voice of God. Revealed through His people, revealed through His Word, revealed through His Holy Spirit. First of all, to find God's purpose, we got to point in the right direction, right? Secondly, to find the, the purpose of God, we've got to protect ourselves from everything that would distract us from that. And specifically, he's talking about superstition and luck and best wishes and all those other empty things. But as we protect and as we point, this is where the, the favorite verse comes in. We've got to hold on to God's promise. For this is what the Lord says. When 70 years for Babylon are complete. Now just think about this, right? They're in Babylon, the place where they don't want to be. People don't live 70 years. 70 years is he is saying more than your lifetime. He's saying it may take your whole lifetime and past your lifetime for you to figure out God's purpose. He's talking about making legacy plays, right? And doing things that will outlast us. And I would encourage you, if your purpose in life doesn't outlast you, then your purpose is too small, right? Because God's promise is so big. And it's not just for now, it's for next. It's not just temporary, it's eternal, right? We've got to point in the right direction. We've got to protect ourselves. But then we've got to hold on to God's promise. What is God's promise? I will attend to you and will confirm my promise concerning you to restore you to this place. What's God saying? The promise is that I'm going to take you home. The promise is that you're not going to live in Babylon forever. M most of us uh, fear death. We grieve without hope when it happens. But Jeremiah is saying something different. Is that death is the, the, the doorway out of Babylon, out of earth, and, and back home to, to Jerusalem, to heaven. God's going God's to take us there. The promise of God is that He will take us home. What a loaded and beautiful and warm word home is. We're reminded that this world is not our home because God promises us that there is a home that is much better and much bigger and much brighter. And that's why Jesus came. He says, I know the way to the place where I'm going. 
I prepared a, a place for you, a home for you that isn't in this, this hard place. And it was Jesus' work on the cross, his death, his resurrection, his forgiveness that allows us to, to come home. Our purpose is seen and best understood when we get home. We point to it, we protect it, but it's vital that here in Babylon, we got to hold on to this promise. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for your well-being to do what's best for you. Not for disaster to do what's mean for you, to give you a future and a hope. And that future and that hope is home in heaven. And as the people of God, if we want to follow God's purpose, we've got to be looking to heaven and realizing that heaven is right there for us. And that's our reward. And that's where we're going. If we lose sight of that, we lose hope. And if we lose hope, it gets even harder to find our purpose. Jeremiah says you've got to be pointing in the right direction, towards peace, towards prosperity, towards prayer. You, you've got to protect yourself from all the superstition and the, the voices that want to disrupt us. We've got to focus and hold on to God's promise. And once you've got those things in place, we've got to pursue it with our whole heart. We've got to chase after it with everything we are. We've got to run towards Him and His purpose for our lives with everything that we have. This is what He says. Verse 12. You will call to me and you will come and pray to me and when you do, I will listen. What He's saying is you need to, you need to cry to me. You need to realize that on your own you're not going to find God's purpose. You've got to realize that on your own, you're not going to fulfill God's purpose. As much as you want to, on your own, you can't do it. So we have to cry out to God because He's the one who holds the promise and holds the purpose, right? You will seek me. And He says, here's the good news, that when you seek me, you will find me. But get the next bit. You will only find me when you seek me with all of your heart. You will seek me when you find me wholeheartedly, is the word. You know, I think one of the reasons, again, that the church is so powerless in our world, that so often we as Christians live these kind of lukewarm, tepid lives, is because we're only seeking God with a part of us, right? And when we only seek God with a part of us, we only find part of God. But it's when we seek God with everything that we are, when we seek Him wholeheartedly, that we find the whole of God. So seek me and you'll find me. And He has this other little promise in verse 14 that we need to hold on to too when it feels like God is silent. I will be found by you. That's another promise. Don't give up seeking God. Don't give up searching for God. 
in the news over the past couple of weeks in some Christian circles, there have been two influential Christian leaders who have recently just abandoned their faith. One of whom was a very prominent worship leader for uh, Hillsong Church. And I don't know him, I don't know the situation, I don't know the story. But my guess is somewhere along the line, he stopped seeking God. And it was when he stopped seeking that he stopped finding God. Someone asked me in conversation the other week, said, do you think that that could ever happen to you? Do you think you could ever lose your, your faith and just walk away like that? And I thought for a moment, and I want to be very careful with my answer because my guess is both of these profiled leaders who walked away probably would have said they'd never give up either. So I wanted to respond with, with humility, and I didn't want to set myself up to fail. But as I thought about the question, I realized that I am so enamored by Jesus... I am so convinced that his way is the answer that I cannot see a day ever when I stop seeking him. And what I found is that as I keep seeking him, he keeps finding me. And it's in that, that seek and in that finding that we start to understand our purpose. I will be found by you. This is the Lord's declaration. And I will restore your fortunes. You're not going to stay in Babylon forever. I'm going to take you back to Jerusalem. You're not going to be on this earth forever because there's this great and glorious and incredible place called heaven. I will restore your fortunes and I will gather people from all nations and places where I have banished you. This is my declaration. I will restore you to the place where I deported you from. But we only get there as we pursue God. We don't just drift there. We have to intentionally pursue Him. And as we pursue Him, that's where we find our purpose. Because our purpose concludes in heaven. So how do we find God's purpose for our life? First of all, make sure you're pointing in the right direction. Am I seeking peace and prosperity and prayer, uh, relationship with God? If not, if you're pointing in the wrong direction, you're not going to get where God wants you to go, right? Secondly, am I protecting myself against all other voices and vices that would distract me from the best that God has for me? Again, some silly logic inside of me thinks I can change the fortunes of a, of a soccer club and the organization by the shoes that we wear. But we all do it, right? We've got to protect ourselves from that kind of thinking. We've got to hold on to God's promises. 
For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. They are good. They will promise you a, a future away from Babylon where everything is right, where everything is restored. But we only find that purpose as we pursue Him. That's the start of finding our purpose. That's the goal of finding our purpose. It doesn't matter whether you're a teenager or midlife or older. We can all become uncomfortable about the future. But the way to settle those doubts, the way to understand our purpose, is wrapped up in pursuing the God who will be found by us.